Uh, we are starting a series called A White Elephant Christmas. Our hope is that we get an opportunity to take uh, the Christmas time, the Christmas season. We usually do a series kind of for four or five weeks and think about something specific. And so this year we chose White Elephant Christmas because White Elephant uh, gift exchanges often are a place where you go maybe hoping to get something and you often don't get what you want. Maybe if you've done them enough, you realize there's no, you have no expectation at all. Uh, maybe that's where you even feel like just in life. You walk into most situations like, this is going to be terrible. Um, but we, it's, it's that idea that we come hoping for something and often we don't get that in Christmas season, like all seasons, but Christmas season can feel like that. We're hoping for things like peace and joy for rest. And then as the season goes on, we find I'm not really finding rest or peace or joy. And sometimes it even feels like it's amplified during this season. The origins of White Elephant, uh, I think, are kind of interesting. They actually come, um, the legend is, it comes um, from Thailand. And their elephants, especially albino white elephants, were considered sacred and holy. They're also considered really valuable. And so a white elephant was something that a king would have to show that he's a king, that he could take care of it and feed it, but also it would just be there kind of as a trophy, as like, this is a beautiful, wonderful gift. Well, the, the, the story goes, the legend goes, that the king once gave a white elephant to someone who really couldn't take care of it uh, as a white elephant gift, literally. And so this person got a white elephant, which initially feels like, oh, wow, I'm honored. But then because it's the white elephant and it's honored and it's sacred, you weren't allowed to use it to work. Um, You weren't allowed to use it for any, like, utility. You just had to, like, have it. But you had to take care of it because if you let it die, you'd be kind of disgraced. And so it kind of became this curse because these people would get white elephants. He kind of gave them as this, like, (laughs) passive-aggressive way to even some of his enemies. And so there was this legend that he would give white elephants to people to kind of burden them with these things they they couldn't do anything with, but they had to take care of. And then later in the early 1900s, there were people who started calling these gift exchanges, white elephant exchanges with that story. We don't know if that story is that, how true, true that story is, but that's how this, that's how white elephant gift exchanges kind of started was the idea you're getting this great valuable thing. We'll use quotes on valuable, um, that really you're kind of just stuck with. And so throughout time, it's, it's one of my favorite holiday traditions is to get with people and see what weird stuff they found in their basement or from their parents' house. We were just visiting my family, and I thought, oh, it's perfect timing because I can just rummage through my parents' house. It's got to be some good stuff nobody wants here. <laughs> and so we are going to take a few weeks to just consider that. Again, what, what gifts have we been given that aren't really what we were hoping for? and maybe uh, how Christ actually has already given us those gifts. Well, I was excited about this because I love giving white elephant gifts. All year long, I kind of collect things. And so uh, actually, Je- is Jeff here? I actually have yours. Do you want it Do you want it now? Oh, why don't you come up? I actually have Jeff's white elephant. I found this for you, Jeff, and it's exactly what you want. You just want to stand up here? It, it's huge. There's no, uh, this won't hurt you. I got this just for you, though. First of all, what, what do you hope this is, Jeff? I, I hope this is a Fluger presidential spin cast reel for ice fishing with seven bearings. Oh, you're going to be really happy then about this. <laughs> you want me to hold it while you unwrap it? Oh, sure, oh, okay. Sure. 
Is it an ice fishing reel? Oh, it doesn't look wow. like that. Oh, what is yeah. this? What is this, Jeff? Wow. Yeah, pull it up. Oh, it's a giant... Lawn ornament. It's a... Actually, it's a piggy bank. Or a dino bank, I guess you'd call it. I also learned years ago, if you glue, if you glue the little wiggly eyes on there, it makes everything better. That's yours, Jeff. Otherwise, I couldn't tell which is ahead. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell. Well, Merry thank Christmas, you. brother. Merry oh, Christmas. Thank you. That's all yours. Do not leave that here at church. That's a rule. That goes right to your, yes, your small group will love it. Isn't that fantastic? What do you ever do with a giant? The, my favorite part of that piggy bank, this just adds to the illustration. It has a slot in top, but there's no way to get the money out of it. <laughs> there's no bottom. It's perfect. Save that money. <laughs> Save that money. <laughs> so we get these things, right? Well, today we're looking at uh, a gift we hope we receive. Our ice fishing reel. It sounds like a really nice one. But instead we get a plastic dinosaur piggy bank with googly eyes. And so today we're looking at a, a thing we hope we get, I think, at Christmas and all the time, which is peace. And often we unwrap it and it's far far from peace. And so I actually looked at, this is the time of year that often people are writing a lot about how to find peace and how to uh, find tranquility and things. And so it didn't take long to, to just search, Google search, how do I find peace? Um, and I found this great website, how to become, overcome fear and anxiety with these helpful tips. I love that, it's, I love that the subtitle is, is find your Hakuna Matata, uh, which is if you've seen The Lion King, I assume many have. Um, this article, actually, I searched for peace, and it came in a series of articles about how to find peace, and some at the holidays. And so I kind of scrolled down, and the first thing I actually saw was a Charles Spurgeon quote, which is an old pastor uh, from a long time ago who we love at Hope, love a lot of what he's written and what he's done. Uh, and so I thought, well, this is a great start. He says, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. Charles Spurgeon, I thought, oh, this is great. I'm encouraged by this, how it's starting. And then it goes down and says, you create your own fear and anxiety. You can also create your own peace and serenity. And actually, most articles I read, this is kind of the big takeaway. There often was a helpful list of things like get sleep, eat well. If people are mean to you, maybe stay away from them. <laughs> uh, listen more was on a lot of the lists. Uh, there was uh, often lists of um, like products you could buy, and there happened to be links that you could go buy them right then which is very handy of those blogs. Um, but it all kind of, a lot came back to this, that how do you create peace and serenity in your own life? In fact, uh, it often felt a little tiring when I got to the list of like 20 ways to make yourself feel peace. By the end, I thought, I can't. There's no way I can do half of these. I think a lot of those are actually kind of outpourings. They would be kind of an overflow of what we would say, hey, these might be helpful things to think about. I think, I think we're missing the, the beginning kind of the origin of where it really comes from or who it comes from. There's this kind of cycle, I think, that happens, and especially maybe at the holidays you feel a conflict. Maybe you're already feeling that. Maybe you've already felt that. Maybe you've already had a family Christmas event or a Thanksgiving event, and going into it, you just go, this is not going to be peaceful. And maybe you were surprised. You get there and you go, that was actually really good. That was kind of peaceful. It was kind of nice. I think there's a, a, a cycle that we see. I actually think of this commercial often when I think of this. So I want to show, it's actually a long commercial that came out the holidays, I think just a few years ago. Um, I think really shows us this 
cycle of what happens when we just are trying to do this, when we're just trying to create our own peace and serenity. So we're going to show this. It's actually like a three-minute commercial. I don't know if that's actually still a commercial, but you guys ready back there? Thanks, sound team. All right, let's watch this. I think this shows us kind of the, the way this goes often, at least in my life. Jenkins. Okay. My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Schön, um, schön. I don't, uh, I don't know what they sell, but I'm buying all of it from that commercial. How do you not get all teary? What an image, huh? What an image of uh, peace for that moment. I just, I can't. This is based off of a real moment in history. The 
truce of 1914 on Christmas Day where the troops in the trenches paused. Uh, I don't know if they like exchanged chocolate, but um, they did in that commercial at least. There's uh, something that kind of wells up in you, right? You go, I want war to stop. I want conflict to stop. I want people to come together. But I think it illustrates so well that it doesn't seem to last. We find ourselves in conflict and hopefully there's moments where suffering and uncomfortableness stops, where the chaos and the war stop, maybe not with others, but even within ourselves. Then you hear the blast again of war in the distance. and like, Here it comes again. The argument starts. A comment is made. We lay under maybe our pillow at night and you just feel the war start again. And so we have to try again and again to bring peace. We open that gift and it's still not the peace we hoped. Now, as this war was going on, there were things being used in that war to blow things up and people up. Some of that was dynamite. It was actually invented by this man, Alfred Noble. Uh, he also invented other things that they ended up using in war. But dynamite, he's the one who people think of when they think of dynamite. The legend goes that he was, um, someone wrote a uh, obituary for him before he actually died. And in the obituary, they're explaining who he was, and it called him a war profiteer. He was a man who created weapons and made lots of money off people's death. And that uh, influence, uh, the, the legend isn't ever really confirmed, but after that, he took all of his money, which was a lot of money, and started the Nobel Peace Prize, which you've probably heard of, that awards, uh, every year awards to people who are working towards peace, who are trying to bring people together, who are trying to create that moment in the middle, over and over. There's something that changed anyone. Well, the thing that I made has caused a lot of conflict and hurt and pain and war and I'd like to figure out a way to encourage others to not do that. And so I think he's even working at that, right? And forever we've been working at how do we make this, there's got to be a way to make peace for that. Open that gift and it be truly peace. I think it's important for us to go back to how this started, why we're in the place we're in and how there is an answer to this. There is a gift of peace. We might just be looking maybe in the wrong spot at times. It all starts in creation in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1, we see that God saw all that he had made. Our God, our creator, was already there, and he makes the world. The the birds and the beasts and the seas and the mountains, he makes it all. And he says it's very good. There was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. We see over and over, this is good, it was good. There was shalom, which is the word for peace in Hebrew. There was shalom. Now God saw all of this, and he even made people. Adam and his wife, he made it. First he makes Adam and says it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, and so he makes Eve. He makes her actually out of one of Adam's ribs. They're this incredible complement to one another. And it says Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There was, there was a time where there was no shame. The, the two of them were just together and things were good. 
There was not even a worry of war breaking out again amongst them. There was no shame. But it didn't last real long because there was this one tree and God said, please don't eat from this tree. It's not going to do what you think it's doing. In fact, it's going to bring everything but peace. When the woman saw that fruit in the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes, she'd been deceived by the snake. Satan, uh, God's adversary, had come and said, I don't think God has your best intent. Um, She saw the food was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Adam and Eve stood there and he decided to turn from what God had called them to, which is a life of, of peace and joy in him and decided maybe we can do this on our own. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Before they were naked and there was no shame, they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All of a sudden, there was shame. All of a sudden, there was conflict. All of a sudden, there was internal struggle and chaos. The cycle just started then and continued on from war and internal struggle to moments of peace in God's people to hearing the fire, the gunfire and the booms in the distance, knowing again, it's going to come. Whether it's between nations or people or just internally or just even with the land, always conflict, always brokenness, this thing that we call sin. And people are looking and looking for the same thing we look for. How can we open the gift of peace and actually have it be peace? Well, Isaiah says, a prophet in the Old Testament here, he says, hey, there actually will be peace. It's coming. It's coming. He says in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's royalty that brings peace. There's going to be one that comes. He's going, to be, he's going to finally bring peace. This word peace here is the word shalom, which doesn't just mean like, um, uh, sometimes when I think of peace, I just mean like I'm comfortable. There's not conflict. Uh, I, I just feel, feel good. Or maybe even just like neutral. <laughs> I don't necessarily feel like excited or really happy or really sad. I just feel like, okay, I'm content. The word shalom actually means more wholeness. So you say there actually is going to be a prince that brings kind of wholeness to you. You might not, you might not even be fully like conflict free, but there's a deep inside it. There's a wholeness to who you are. This person will bring this. Also, we hear this other great news of the greatest of his government and peace, there will be no end. He's going to bring peace, but it's not going to be like he just brought people together for Christmas to play soccer in a field, and then they're going to go back, like we've seen over and over and over with leaders and kings and prophets. No, he's going to bring it, and there'll be no end. And he'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He says there's going to be someone's going to come. And he's going to bring wholeness and peace. It's not going to end. It won't continue. And then we know that it happens, right? We're far from that moment historically in time. And we know between Isaiah and this moment today in this auditorium in Columbia Heights, there was a moment 
in the Middle East, when a baby was born, a child was born. He was given to us. His name was Jesus, and he was the Prince of Peace. And he would come to destroy that chaos and destroy the things that brought the unsettled unwholeness that made us kind of broken pieces and not whole. There's a moment in the book of John, John 14, that Jesus is with his disciples as before. Uh, He's an adult and he's with them and he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit coming and what life is going to look like. And he's encouraging them that he's about to go die on a cross for them. He's going to raise from the dead and he's going to bring his kingdom of peace. And he says something really, really important about peace that, that I often get wrong. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. This is Jesus talking. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Do you hear, do you hear what he says there? We don't want to miss this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Jesus, our God has is, is been born in a manger so humbly, and he's come and he's now been healing people and caring for people, showing what it looks like, bringing the kingdom of God with him. And he says, hey, you're troubled, you're worried, there's conflict, there's chaos. I'm going to give you peace. And then he says this, I do not give to you as the world gives you. You're going to think there's a lot of ways. You think there's going to be 20 steps to bring peace and serenity to yourself. That's not the peace I'm bringing. I'm bringing a wholeness to you that the world can't bring. You keep looking there and you're going to keep opening gifts that aren't going to be the kind of peace that I'm bringing, the wholeness that I bring to you. And as they continue talking with him and he's preparing to die, he says again in John 16, I told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. That gift you keep getting from just looking within yourself or, or the 20 steps to find peace that seems to just, again, bring war back. Don't be troubled. That actually isn't where, where peace comes from. Take heart. I've actually overcome that. that. That war will end. And then he does go to a cross. And he takes on the greatest amount of conflict he has the least amount of peace anyone's ever felt, dies on a cross, is put into a grave, and then raises from the dead, giving us peace, troubling or overcoming the trouble in our hearts. And you know what he says the first thing? The last thing he says to his disciples is take my peace, right? Peace I leave to you. One of the first things he says, on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples are together with the doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders, where they're sitting in fear, not, not out of peace in this room, Jesus came and stood among them. He had risen from the dead. They're huddled together, scared. Will they too be crucified? What's next? The guy who they thought was going to usher in peace and a new kingdom has been killed. He's in his grave. They don't know that he's risen and he comes to them. He stood among them and he says, peace be with you. That, that's the first thing. You, can you imagine the room? It's like thick with a fog of fear. And then Jesus comes in and says, peace be with you. Almost announcing himself. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He, he comes with the Holy Spirit and he says, peace be with you. I'm going to give you peace. Almost like he's announcing himself, peace. Not, not a thing that just so you, feel so you don't feel uncomfortable anymore, but he says, I've come, I am peace and I'm with you. And then I'm going to now give you peace. God has sent me to bring peace. And now I'm going to, he breathes on in the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. And you're going to now get be people who bring peace around. And this, this is where we're at now. Jesus comes to us and says, peace be with you. I'm, I'm with you. And here I want to give you the Holy Spirit. Turn to me. Turn from those things that you thought did that and say, oh, Jesus is the one that makes me whole. And now you get to go and be sent and bring peace to others. And one day he's going to come back. We hear in Revelation 21, this great news. I've heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them and they'll be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The war has been paused and actually just stopped. There'll be a moment we'll never again hear cannons in the distance and prepare for war. It'll be over. Understand this? So we open our gift and we're disappointed. I think uh, for myself, I often just go, there's got to be another way to find Peace. There's got to be a, a way I can prepare myself as I enter into a, a holiday season and enter into that day at the great aunt's house where everyone's there and you're opening gifts. You're like, I just know, I know how to get through this day so it can be peaceful. And Jesus says, there's a way, no matter how hard that is, no matter actually how good that is, that there is a much greater peace and wholeness that comes from me. Just as one man you see in this story, I don't know if that's really how it worked, stands up and says, hey, I'm going to start this. We, I'm going to start the peace. We have a man who came who started it and it ended it, ended the war. He's put in a tomb and he rose from the dead. And today Jesus sits on his throne, has made a way for us into his kingdom, truly the prince of peace, the king of our peace. And not only do we get to experience and enjoy that peace, as he says, come, I'm, I'm here. I'm a person. Peace is a person. I want you to know me. I want you to be whole. That also not only changes us, but will change those around you because now we no longer have to use people around us to gain peace or use things to gain peace in our life or wholeness. Jesus brings that. We just get to bring the news that he brings it. We can suffer and still experience being uncomfortable and still experience peace. We can have expectations for the future knowing that one day the war will be over and that we'll be whole, completely whole again. So right now we don't have to try to perfect the 20 steps to peace thinking this is as good as it gets knowing, oh, it's going to be good. So, so good. And we get to be those who bring peace to others. I want, to, I want to end with a, a Spurgeon quote that I think is much more helpful. 
Uh, he says two things as he's talking about this topic. He says, we shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers, our doings, or our feelings. It is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to our soul. See, look, we get to look to Jesus. If we would at once overcome Satan, have peace with God, it must be by looking unto Jesus. What's your peace? We open our gift and we go, oh, we've, it's Jesus. We, over and over, it's him. He's the one who brings it. And I love this thought at Christmas. It reminds me of hearing the cannons in the distance. And what if we thought when we hear the church bells ringing, we don't always hear that culturally now, but if you're at our Christmas Eve service, you're going to hear some bells ringing. <laughs> I remember this quote. So when ye hear the bells ringing out at Christmas, think of the reason why Jesus was born. Dream not that he came to load your table or fill our cups. Not to just give you stuff here, stuff the world can give you, but in your mirth look higher than all earth-born things. We hear the church bells. When you see that Christmas tree and you see the lights and you're getting to drink hot chocolate by the fire and you kind of go, oh, Christmas is so good. Hopefully that will remind us of Christ who then remind us these things are great, but oh, he brings something far beyond what I just see around me. Higher than all earth-born things. And so I encourage us in this season as we look to peace to maybe consider that. Also maybe consider Jesus is our peace. We'll just edit this a little bit. I'll go put that in the comments. I'm sure that'll help on this blog. <laughs> Look to Jesus as our peace. I'm going to invite our worship team up so we can sing uh, some Christmas hymns, uh, which if you notice as we sing Christmas hymns, they're just great gospel songs. Many of them actually written not for Christmas season. We've just kind of decided to sing them at Christmas. And they're going to remind us again of this good news that Christ has come and has been the gift of peace. We already got it. We already got it. It's so Good. A few things to consider as we reflect here. Do you know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? Are you looking for it? He's here. He's saying, I'm here. Peace is with you. Consider where the conflict is in your life and are you trying to solve it alone? Not only just through your own works, but you have people, you have a church family who would love to be there with you, to pray with you, to continue to point you to Jesus. Where do you feel, where do you need Jesus to make you whole? It might be even be something just to pray if you don't know. And then who do you know who needs the Prince of Peace? We're going to have the opportunity not only to be given that, but we're sent with that spirit to give it to others. That's, that's really good news. You get the opportunity this year to walk into a holiday moment and say, oh, I hope I can find a way to get through this peacefully. Or say, I get to come with peace, to bring peace into this place. His name is Jesus. Let me pray for us. And we will uh, sing together. A few ways we respond here um, at Hope um, is through communion, which is in the back here. If you can go out the doors, we have communion at the tables. Uh, that's an opportunity just to celebrate Jesus' death uh, and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Remember that his body was broken, his blood was shed. Uh, it's really good news. That's why we do that, to remember that, uh, that good news that brought about peace. Also, there's people in the back of the room who will pray for you. They'll have yellow lanyards on if you just need prayer. Whether or not you need to, you know, to say anything, you just walk up and look at them or say, I need prayer, and they'd love to pray for you in this season. Um, also, we're going to be singing together, and also there's always an opportunity to respond by giving online, or there's actually an a offering uh, thing on the <laughs> table.
need a better word for that container. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Lord, thanks for being good to us. Thanks for bringing peace that um, I often expect peace from things that aren't you. And I'm disappointed and I feel that cycle of, uh, of peace and it fading and coming back and fading and it's tiring. I pray that we could really cling to you, really rest in you, that we would look to you as our peace. We cling to you and you would make us whole. Thanks for your goodness and kindness towards us. I pray as we sing, uh, that we would sing that truth out and it would ring in our hearts and remind us of something far greater than anything that we see around us. We pray this in your great name. Amen.